0: Glory to God. Um, You know, there was, uh, I don't know, hallelujah, we're blessed. We're so blessed. Well, uh, I want to start out tonight talking about gatekeepers. That'll be where I start. Because when uh, Sandy Blue was here in June, well, she mentioned the word that we were gatekeepers. She actually came in. Talk that was like first rattle out of the box that God had told her told her that River Church was uh, gatekeepers and uh, so been meditating on that for a while but kind of flows in with what we're talking about tonight but um, one of the things is I was reading in a I actually kind of did a little research in some old uh, my old books on prayer not old but books I've already read on prayer and I came across a book by James Gall. G-O-L-L, in case you're wanting to know. But anyway, and he had, and I was just going through the table of contents on these books because I was looking for something, and I came across a chapter called Gatekeepers and something else. What was it? It was something else that kind of goes with gatekeepers. But anyway, so I looked and glanced through that, and I thought you'd be interested to know that gatekeepers, he said, they um, they open gates for things to come in. And they shut gates so things can't come in. Hallelujah. And they possess the gates of the enemy. Hallelujah. And uh, it's important that we know that, that we have been anointed and qualified. And and God has called us to possess the gates of the enemy. Uh, I heard, uh, and this kind of flows with several things, you know, that I've heard. I was listening to a set of tapes or cds well i'm still back there but if i call tapes y'all know it could be an mp3 it could be anything you know it could be everything from a cassette tape to an mp3 hallelujah might even be a youtube you never know and so um but anyway i was listening to this uh by uh who's that guy from franklin tennessee me Larry Randolph, I was listening to this set of CDs by Larry Randolph, and he said that when you go into a city, that the city has to receive you before God will do anything. I'm still thinking, wondering if that's happened yet, you know, but I'm I'm praying along those lines. And then he said, you have to defeat uh, the religious spirit of the city. So that would be, uh, possess the gates of the, that religion, not the people, but the spirit behind religion and tradition. And, uh, so, and then he said the next thing you have to do is, uh, I think he said overcome the religious spirit, defeat demonic opposition. So that would be certainly possessing the gates of the enemy. And then you release. Uh, miracles and healings and so forth and I don't know that we knew that and we probably uh, I think we certainly when we came to Tuscaloosa probably thought the ground and the atmosphere was much more ready for to receive the things of the Lord than it probably was so then brings me to another thing Uh, on Monday September 30th I was leading prayer and as I was preparing for prayer on Monday night, I put in the notes of what we were to pray for something about opening the gate and that we were to open the gate to River Church, that we were literally to by faith open the gate. And I kind of thought we might even do that as a a prophetic act where we kind of went through the motions. You know, a prophetic act is when you act out something and uh it can be two ways: a prophetic act can be something that you that you act out and it relates to it or it can be something that you the God says for you to do, and it doesn't even relate to what's you know like for instance, if he says "If your eyeball's hurting and he says "Run," it doesn't relate, but it's a prophetic act actually that just got some <laughs> that made my eye hurt <laughs> got something in my contact Hallelujah. And so, but a prophetic act that doesn't relate, does relate would be like if your foot's hurting and God said run. Or a prophetic act that doesn't relate in the Bible is when the uh, axe head fell and then he said to throw in a a stick to the water and the axe head did float but because we know that sticks don't make axe heads float. So that was just a prophetic act. It's a faith releaser and so I felt like we might do that but anyway we had that open the gate and our open the gate so then on Monday October 14th that was two days ago in case y'all can't figure that up but anyway (laughs) we were coming out of our neighborhood on the way to prayer and we were coming up the hill by the gazebo for those of you know and we were coming up that hill and I said look at that and pastor said that's a sign and it was the most amazing thing and I just have not been able to do it justice of how it impacted mine and pastor's heart and, and could we and so he said we need to take a picture of that and so we're stopped in the middle of the road and I'm trying to take a picture and I can't even get it my camera. It won't even show up in my camera. I don't know if it was me or the camera. But uh so um and then he pulls around the corner and he gets out of the car and we he's literally parks in the middle of a road that turns down into that first wing off in Hinton Place and uh there's cars going around us there's cars going behind us and he's out in a yard trying to get a picture of this this uh sign in the heavens that God I believe gave for just us you know and Pam and Joy saw it a little bit too when they were sitting at the light over here waiting to come and so but I know I knew it was for us I knew it was a sign I didn't understand what it meant but it was a it was a cloud. It was clouds, made out of clouds, but it was, it was totally twisted, and it was big. It was tall, and it was wide, and it was just a twist going up, and it was yellow and orange and pink. It was out of the sunset, but it was this twist, and out to the side of it was a wing a big wing and we actually have a picture of it and you can see the wing and everything but it's like I said not a good picture and by the time we did all our fumbling around with the camera it had it was starting to diminish it was start by the time we got to the church it had turned it was still the twisted but it had turned gray it was not that glory and so I'm like I know this is a sign so we came to church and uh to pray and um at the end of prayer I heard the Holy Spirit say, and I, and then I heard the Holy Spirit say it, and then when I tried to relate it to the prayer team, I was like, blah, 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 blah. I couldn't even get, I couldn't express it. I was like, I couldn't find the words. I couldn't remember how he said it. But what the Holy Spirit said to me is, if I can get this right now, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm making an open window available to you. I heard him say, I'm I'm, I'm making an open window available to you. And that part, I couldn't get that available to you part. And then as soon as he said it, the Holy Spirit began to explain to me, and he did it in just a matter of seconds, the difference between an open window and an open door and I never heard anybody say this or didn't understand it myself but he said an open window in heaven is something that I pour something through and all you have to do is receive it he said an open door on the other hand is something that opens and you have to do something you have to walk through it and as soon as he said that I thought about Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 where he says shall I not open the windows and he and when I read that when I turn to the verse I was like impacted so by the word windows because I think in my heart I've always thought of it as a window that when we tithe God opens the window of heaven and he pours out a blessing but it specifically says windows which could indicate that not all of them open at the same time and so he said, shall I not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, uh, that you shall not be able to receive it? Or some versions say until it overflows. And I knew immediately that when God opens a window of heaven, that, that whatever comes forth is going to be a blessing and it's also going to be in abundance. It's going to have a, a, a some abundance to it. And so it not necessarily his finances, though, so uh don't think necessarily in those realms and then i as soon as I thought of that, I thought about the scripture in Revelation chapter four, verse one, and it is about the door and uh and it it just confirmed exactly what he had told me that when he opens a window, uh then he's going to pour something through it, and all I have to do is receive it now, I may have had to prepare. the window to open and I might have had to uh, cooperate with God in order for the window to open but once that window opens all I need to do is receive it but once a door opens hallelujah it says Revelation 4 1 after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was it as it were, as of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Well, that would indicate that the door is open, but he said, Come up hither, or come through the door. Come on, walk on through the door, is what he was saying. And so when a door opens, when God opens a door for us, we have to do something. We have to walk through it. Hallelujah. And uh, so, uh, then, uh, that was on Monday, so we had, uh, we are, we had the uh, open gate, we had the open window, and Tuesday, I, we come to prayer, Tuesday morning, and uh, so, and you know, we're getting ready to pray, and I go over quite a few things to pray about, and then I started praying, but I, and I stopped And I paused and I said, uh, and I asked, uh, did did you have anything that we were supposed to pray about? And uh, Jennifer Baker shared, she kind of hesitated, but she said, well, I don't know what this means, but when I was praying this past two weeks about signs, wonders, miracles, healing, and mighty works, which is something we're always praying about, uh, she said, I heard the words, open season. And I'm like, God, there's a pattern forming here. You know, and God likes threes. You know, we we see that in the Scripture. There's a pattern. So we have an open gate. We have an open window. And now we've got open season. Hallelujah. So I knew the Lord. So so this week has been a really uh, interesting week as far as that and the sign in the heavens. So I go home, and I, I'm, you know, so enthralled about this sign. And uh, I go home, and I reading a book already but I'm reading this book about a healing evangelist in the 40's and 50's it's sort of a biography well it is a biography or, and so about this healing evangelist and so in the next three days since Monday I have encountered over and over how uh, uh, a swirling cloud glory would appear hallelujah and an angel angel with it and hallelujah. So I'm like, okay, now I know this is a sign. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm excited. Hallelujah. So we're going to just turn over to Acts chapter twelve tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Acts chapter twelve. I was gonna teach on, I've been trying to teach on for it's kinda of, fire starters kinda of is awesome and I'm loving it. Um loving what God's doing it in the church with it. Uh I'm Jealous because I don't get to come and all that, but Hallelujah! God's working out some great things through that, through us not even coming, and we we had a door open to us today to minister, and so that'll be a blessing. So <clears throat> Acts chapter twelve, I'm I'm planning on teaching healing, and uh, the Lord. I even talked to Pastor about it last night. I was trying to work up a object lesson type thing, and uh, so this morning I get up and uh, I'm reading just my daily Bible reading. Acts 12 is where I'm at, and boy, it just jumped out at me. I knew first of all this morning I'm going to teach on healing, but Acts 12, chapter 12 verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And that scripture just leapt off the page at me. And I, my Bible has a four beside the word prayer. And if you go over into the margin, it says instant and earnest prayer was made. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but instant and earnest prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And, of course, we know what happens, that the prison doors open and uh, the angel of the Lord comes in. Hallelujah. That's always a good thing for the angel to show up, isn't it? Hallelujah. Verse 11, and then verse verse 11, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And so these things are jumping out at me today about the church in verse 5. The prayer was made uh, earnest. It was in instant prayer. I think a lot of times when when troubles come, tribulations come, we're not instant enough in prayer. We kind of wait around to see if it'll work out, if it'll go away. That's usually not the case. Usually anything that you don't jump on quickly is going to get bigger. The devil's going to get a bigger foothold on anything like that. So prayer was made, and it was instant prayer. It was very earnest prayer. It was, uh, you know, that's one thing we have to do is be, uh, we have to engage our heart. We have to give it with all our heart. Then reading about this healing evangelist, he would often ask people, uh, he would ask them, are you believing with all your heart? You know, there's a difference of being with all your heart. There's a difference in believing with all your heart. There's a difference in praying with all your heart. There's a difference in worshiping with all your heart than just uh, to do in lip service or, or letting our mind wander or any, of, any number of things that we can be doing in prayer. And it comes against all of us. Nobody's exempt. Amen. And it different, but it does, we do get better at, if we practice, if we practice putting our heart in it, we get better at keeping our heart in it and our heart staying in it. And we, and, uh, you know, it gets easier not to let our mind wander. There are times that, you know, it's, that it's harder than others, but that is something we must learn to do. And we have to practice. We have to practice earnest, being earnest in our prayers. I think it's interesting concerning this healing evangelist that when God gave him instructions on how how to minister and when he went out he was going out into his ministry, the Lord gave him only two instructions, and that's that if you will if you will be reverent, if you will be reverent was if you will be reverent and if you can get the people to believe. And if, and, and, and he often, if he, like, if he, uh, he said, uh, if people weren't reverent when healing was going on in service, if people, they, you know, people were acting up and stuff, he would actually, uh, it would, it would, uh, he would be concerned for them cause he said that he found out from experience and this man man ministered in healing for many years and he just from a trial and error learned that uh that uh if they were irreverent while certain things were going on that they would actually that demon if it was demonic it would go into them and so he said i got where i would say uh now bow your heads he would if, if he said especially he said like people if people uh would come up on the stage and if sometimes epileptic seizures would happen and sometimes people would get irreverent or you know kids would try to mock or you know and everything and he was so he would have them if anything like that started to happen he would say everybody bow your head and close your eyes and if he could get them reverent then they were safe even if they didn't believe, he said, if they were reverent, they were safe. And he said, said so one night a man would not bow his head, and so they he asked him to specifically. He said, "There's a man over here on my left, you know, and uh, and he's uh, uh, not." You need to bow your head, and he wouldn't. And so the ushers went to him, and he was like the uh, county clerk or something like that. And he came there, he was like, This isn't right. This is just psychology. This is not God. Da-da-da-da-da. And he would not bow his head. And so uh, the past, the minister said, Well, I, I warned you, sir. <laughs> and so he went ahead and he dealt with the kid, the person with epilepsy or whatever it was. And so, like like, four days later, He's through with his meetings, he's so tired, and he's getting off the elevator and a lady grabs him by the leg and is laying on the floor holding his pant leg and will not let go. And they cannot get him, the ushers can't even get this lady off of him. And so he says, well, you know, what is it? And so she said, she told the story, my husband, and he's been insane for three days walking the streets and all this. I'm I'm not trying to scare y'all tonight. (laughs) Anyway, um, I thought it was such a simple plan, though. Just be, hey, just be reverent and believe. Hallelujah. You know, that is not a hard thing for us. We can have miracles if we can just be reverent and believe. Have a fear of God, we prayed for Monday night, that the fear of God would come back on the body of Christ. You know, there's a reverence, you know, there's a reverence even to how we conduct ourselves and how we feel about the house of God and how we act in the presence of ministers of God. And so uh, this guy didn't even know come on from Sikkim, you know, he would, it was the wife having to do the believing at this point, because he was, but anyway, he got delivered and set free, and boy, I tell you what, he was, he was some of that believer after that, yeah, (laughs) but I'm like, that's a hard way to get saved, I mean, you can do it the easy way, folks, or you can do it the hard way, that man did it the hard way, and so, um, He, so this reverence and earnest, earnestness and reverence and all of it kind of goes together. And so, uh, but, uh, this, this instant prayer and this earnest prayer. And then it says without ceasing. I know a lot of times we just give up too soon. I know, uh, Dutch Sheets tells a story in one of his books on intercession. Uh, this little girl that was in a coma. And I, he 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 went uh, two or three times a week for one year, and this lady's this this little girl is brain dead. They they're just keeping her alive by machines, but he just kept going and kept going and kept blowing without ceasing. And after a year, she just opened her eyes and hallelujah and i just want to have that kind of tenacity and i know that that we don't that that god doesn't call us to do that for everybody. He doesn't ask us to raise the dead every time. But there's a lot of times if we just stay in there, be more without ceasing, you know, stay in there longer, press in further, you know, Uh, this healing evangelist he said uh you know there was one night he he got so bold in his faith because he saw so much and he just knew it was god's will to heal so he just said bring me the worst case i believe this was oh these were spanish-speaking people in uh somewhere phoenix or somewhere he had a service just for spanish-speaking people and he said bring me like the worst case so they brought this girl that had never walked and she was all twisted and and all that and so uh He said, and he said, I knew God would heal her. He said, I knew it beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I said, you just watch, God's going to heal her. So he prayed 15 minutes, nothing happened, 30 minutes. 45 minutes an hour and the crowd starts getting restless and they're getting like oh this is you know you know you can imagine how we would feel like man is god really gonna heal this girl an hour and 45 minutes and something hit her and her spine clicked into place and you could hear the pop and she start, and she's walking and she's never walked in her life an hour and forty-five minutes. And it's like, I, I need some stamina. Well, not only do we have to have physical stamina, but uh, you know, we're this praying without ceasing, this oh, hallelujah. You know, we we sometimes give up even on the things that we're believing for too quick, don't we? We gotta you gotta stay in there. Just stay in there. Hallelujah. So let's turn now to Acts 1, 14. Acts 1 verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and and with his brethren. These all continued with one accord in prayer. Acts 242. Just turn the page. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So the word, apostles' doctrine, they continued in the word, they continued in fellowship, and they continued in the breaking of bread, uh, which would be different than fellowship. That's actually talking about communion and in prayers. And in prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Then let's go to Acts 4 verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. With one accord is got to be more than one praying hallelujah with one accord getting in one accord in verse uh uh then drop down to verse 31 it says and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the holy ghost and they spake the word of god with boldness there's something about praying in one accord that causes the supernatural to be activated. Acts 12. I like the word. Do y'all, do y'all believe the word? Hallelujah. Lord. Hallelujah. Acts 12. 5. And Peter. Verse 5. Peter therefore was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church. And God and with God for him, and when Arid would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, well, "Rise up quickly!" And his chains fell off from his hands. I, 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 I there's a lot of people bound there's a lot of not necessarily with physical change but there's a lot of bound people that it's going to take this uh the church praying without ceasing with that earnest and instant prayer to see people that are bound uh set free and the angel said unto him i love this angelic uh these This this presence of angels and these, uh, uh, throughout the whole Word of God, the church has had angels working with them, helping them, and the angels said unto, and speaking to them, uh, you know, uh, we might be scared if an angel talked to us, but it's common Bible stuff for an angel to talk to you and give you the instructions of the Lord. And the angel said unto him, gird thyself and bind on thy sandals, and so he did. Hallelujah. And then let's go down to verse um twelve, and when he yeah, we read that already, so we'll go into acts uh, acts thirteen acts thirteen verse one, and there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of cyrene and Menanon, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Don't you love it when the Holy Ghost says, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. You know, you never know in prayer when something just is going to break forth or burst forth, something's going to happen. Hallelujah. And you might pray for a while. You might pray for a year. You might pray for three years. But but uh, but eventually you're going to see something break through. Something's going to happen. The Holy Ghost is going to say, I've opened a window. I'm opening a window and making it available to you. Now I don't know what that means yet, but for one thing for sure is it got our attention and we're on the pursuit And we've already said, okay, God, we receive it. Can you say that with me? Lord, we'll receive. We'll receive it, whatever you pour through the window here at River Church. Will you receive it? Hallelujah. And uh, we don't get to choose what God pours out at any certain time. But it, but something broke through just like it did. They're praying. They're ministering to the Lord. They're fasting. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost said, okay, you know, I think a lot of people that are believing God to be in the ministry, they don't get launched because they don't get with the corporate anointing and and get launched into that because the Holy Ghost will say one day now separate unto me Barnabas and Saul you know uh John Smithwick was here last week and and visited with us over dinner he just came to Birmingham for some meetings he wanted to come over and visit with us and and so we were with him and and Eric was there and we had uh dinner at our home and uh he uh He said he noticed something about Alabama, and my ears perked up. But he just not from Tuscaloosa, but even he has a lot of contacts in Birmingham with people that have started churches that are going to the mission field that are uh, helping him in his missions assignment. And he said that more than any place that he has been, That it seems like in Alabama and he just observed this that it seems like in Alabama that when people want to go into the ministry instead of staying with their church and letting be sent out from the church like Paul and Barnabas were here are actually yeah separate unto me Barnabas and Barnabas and uh well, who did they separate me? Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereinto I've called them. That instead of being sent forth, that they separate and break off. And he said, I believe that's a spirit of division in Alabama. That there's something divisive in Alabama. And uh, so that was a clue to how to pray and what to bind up and what to take authority over. Hallelujah and so you know and i thought i thought about that and i thought about yeah how uh people from like mark Brzee's church in tulsa are always getting sent sent out to the mission field sent out uh, to start churches, and but they 're sent out from that home base, that church, and they 're what for they have the wisdom and they have uh insight, so we want to do too much on our be our own our on ourselves and try we well, you know we 're trying to do it ourselves a lot of times that 's why we 're not getting anything done uh because we're not we're not knowing uh the power of 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 that of having that that home base behind you, those spiritual fathers behind you. Okay, let's go over to Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. And it came, are y'all there yet? Exodus over the first part of your Bible. Hallelujah. Genesis, Exodus, verse, verse chapter 2, verse 23 and 24. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. Hallelujah. There's something happens that God hears when the When the, when in one accord, there was a one accord, there was a one accord groaning, to be set free, Hallelujah! There's some things we need to be set free from in the body of Christ. We there's some things we need to be set into our our end time prosperity that's been promised and talked about. We need to be set into that, and there's gonna have to come a one accord of that of of, of in that to come into that end time prosperity. You know, Miss Phyllis said there's a there's things you'll never get outside of united prayer. You'll never get just Praying and believing on your own. Uh, there's uh, there's things that are moved forward by the corporate anointing, the corporate groaning. Uh, there's um, there's diseases that'll never be healed. Hallelujah! Aside from uh, this corporate, I believe that we could we could find the cure for cancer. You know, it's not un, it's not unlikely that that could happen. Man, they found a cure for polio. Hallelujah they found a, and you know you think about it uh that happened what early 50s we the church was in high form in the 40s and and early 50s the church is is functioning as never before as the church and all of a sudden they find a cure for polio we they have they have other vaccines and cures that they have found they've all but eliminated a lot of diseases you know it's it's amazing though that Sometimes we're letting some of those come back in, but uh, we shouldn't. Nehemiah 9. So it's not unreasonable to say that if the church would come together and, uh, and, and, and groan in the spirit. Nehemiah 9, 1 through 3. Now in the twenty and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloth and earth upon them. Anytime you see sackcloth and earth or ashes or sackcloth and fasting, you know you're, you're talking about a, a not only an humbling yourself, but a crying out to God. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins. They're praying, aren't they? And the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the lord their god one fourth part of the day and another fourth confessed and they worshiped the lord their god so they had one fourth of the day in prayer and then another fourth where they spoke the word out or decreed or declared or confessed the word and then they worshiped hallelujah and and god we see then that 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 If We don't have time to read the whole thing, but God turned things, God began to turn things for the Israelites uh, through that. And then Jonah chapter 3, hallelujah. Well, we don't have to put on sackcloth, but the sackcloth does represent, it represents an inconvenience to the flesh, or a dying to the flesh, or uh, not not just doing, you know, the flesh doesn't want to wear sackcloth. Well, the flesh doesn't want to pray. The flesh doesn't want to do some, you know, it's a, it's a, it's not always an easy thing. It's a putting under. I'm looking for Jonah. And I know it's in the old books. Joel, is it before Joel, after Joel? Hosea. We may have to go through them one by one. Hosea, Joel, Amos. Okay, Jonah is the last O. Okay, hey, <laughs> nine ninety nine. It's eleven forty nine. No, <laughs> no, chapter three, three, and we have the same Bible, don't we, Jennifer? Yeah, and it's still on a different page. Holy, uh, Jonah three five. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat on ashes. Hallelujah. Am I supposed to keep going? Through 10, yeah. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yes, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. So, of course, we know this is Old Testament and so forth, but we can see the power of prayer to uh, move the hand of God. They moved the hand of God by praying, by repentance, by being inconvenienced in sackcloth and fasting. I wonder if we would uh be uh if we would be ever be desperate enough to say, okay, kids were fasting. We would think nearly think that was cruel to make your kids fast. We'd think it's cruel if somebody said we made the dogs and the cats and the we we would think that was horrible in America. But you know, we just had never been desperate enough. Hallelujah. You know, ooh, praise God. Leviticus, chapter 26, verse 8. Leviticus 26, verse 8. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. This talks about the power of of the corporate. Hallelujah. The power of being corporate together. Colossians 1, let the Word talk to us tonight. Colossians 1, let the Word stir us. If the Word doesn't stir us, we're in bad shape, we're in trouble. Hallelujah. Colossians 1, 9, we need to get on some sackcloth and repent, don't we? Hallelujah. Colossians 1, 9, Uh, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, and look, I want you to notice he's saying we, we, we. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And we could go on down. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. And it goes on. But... Uh, Uh, Hallelujah! Notice he said, we pray. We do not cease to pray. Uh, And he said, uh, day and night. Since the day we heard of it, we do not cease to pray for you. Desire. There's another place. That's not the day and night one. 1 Corinthians 12. I know I'm kind of backing you up, but this is good Bible training to know where everything is. You have to go forward, backwards, and in between. and, And the first one there gets a prize. That's Bible drills and training union. Did anybody ever go to training union? Me and Pastor's the only one that ever went to training union. Oh my. That was Sunday night at the Baptist church. Before church, they had training union. It was like Sunday school, but it was Sunday night. I don't know why they called it training union, but it was training union. Hallelujah. We went. First Corinthians twelve. 1 Corinthians twelve, twelve. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. So there's such something, something very powerful about the body of Christ, that we're one and that we are all, you know, you know what? We're, even though we are we are separate we're not complete without each other the church needs to get out of isolationism they need to uh, come come back into the body i heard the lord say he was gonna he was I, I was i saw the jesus in heaven stand up on the edge of heaven and he was standing there and he was speaking in a heavenly language i didn't understand it and he said i i knew what he was saying i didn't know what he was saying but i knew I didn't know I didn't know the exact words he was saying, but I knew what he was saying. I just the Lord made me know that He was calling the sheep back into the sheepfold. That's different than calling uh, for uh, the unsaved. He was calling the sheep that have gone off and wandered away and and gotten out of church and gotten out of fellowship and they're not in this body and being in this power of this oneness in this this there's a power in that isn't there do y'all agree with that hallelujah let me read some things to you because we need to wind down and uh there's some more scriptures but we can we've read quite a few but i wanted to read what J. oswald chambers pastor quoted him sunday morning and uh, no, actually, spoke of his book, which is my utmost for his heist. And I—that's a devotional book. I don't know if you've ever read it. We used to have it. I think it's maybe a little bit. Um, not so much uh, into the healing and all that kind of stuff, if you know what I mean, but he is a good man of God. And he said when a number of Christians unite in prayer for a given person or objective, it is the uniform teaching of Scripture that this brings special power into operation. For their gathering demonstrates that oneness that God delights to see. "'Did Jesus not pray, Holy Father, keep them in thy name, "'the name which thou hast given me, "'that they may be one, even as we are.'" God wants us to be one. He doesn't want us to be separate. He wants us to come together and be as one man. Martin Luther said, "'None can believe how powerful prayer is, "'but those who have learned it by experience.'" Mark Brzee uh, said in processing, let me read page, I'll read a little bit of Mark Brzee to you. In his book, Processing the Plan of God Through Prayer, on page 3, he reads from Luke 3, 21 and 23, now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heavens was open and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven which said, thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. We see two things working together, the body of Christ in the river. I like that. When I saw that, it jumped out at me because we're river church. The body of Christ in the river and the body of Christ praying that, you know, Jesus, his physical body was in the river. And his physical body, he was praying in his physical body. Do you all get it? That now we're his body. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay. I knew you did. The New King James Version says Jesus also was baptized and while he prayed, the heaven was opened. Notice the heaven opened over the earthly body of Christ praying in the river. When heaven opened, the Spirit of God, the anointing without measure, came upon the body of Christ. In the next three and a half years, he wrought more miracles than his disciples could record. Now this is talking about his, his flesh and blood body But we're his spiritual body. And when we get in the river and pray, the windows of heaven open, and we will see more miracles. The church has stepped into the river of God's spirit. And now it's time to get heaven opened. How do we do that? Through prayer when prayer when heaven opens it will change the church and when the church changes it will change the world now 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 that the church or body has stepped into the river of God's spirit as we learn to cooperate with the spirit and mix that with prayer we will step into the fullness of our purpose for being on this earth the rain and the harvest the purpose for us being on this earth is r- the rain of the holy ghost and the harvest the purpose is not so we can go to the beach and play and that is not our purpose for being on this earth. To enjoy life is not our purpose. God will help us enjoy life, but our purpose, our purpose is the rain and the harvest. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is amazing. So when did we step in to the river of God's Spirit? Well, you stepped in the river of God's Spirit when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, after you get baptized, that's not the end. Now you have to learn to cooperate with the Spirit. And you have to learn to mix the, your mix, mix the spirit and, with prayer. And we have to learn to pray. and learning to pray is a process. Most Christians think that that it's just going to happen, that they should they're Christians so that they can pray and they just, and you know, a lot of times, and it's good to launch out in prayer. And, and I've heard people say, just talk to God, but there's more to it than just talking to God. That's a good place to start. If you got born again yesterday. Just talk to your heavenly Father, but then you ought to learn and grow up and learn how to pray and learn and begin to learn uh, that there are ways to pray. There are higher levels of prayer. There are uh, anointings to pray. There are rooms to pray in. I I mean I'm I'm amazed at what we could we could all grow and learn and pray. And I want to. I'm hungry too. Uh, one day I was thinking about. All of y'all and I was thinking about I would like to ask every person in the church what would you do with what would you like to do every day for the rest of your life if you didn't have to go to work and I hope it's not go to the beach Uh, please don't tell me that because I'm gonna cast something out of you if you do but if you didn't have to work and God had set you free so that you could serve him what is it that you would like to do that you could do every day I know sometimes we go, we we serve in the church in places, we serve in the ministry in places, but not all of those would we want to do every day. But what could you do every day? And I thought, Lord, if I could the rest of my life every day, I could be in corporate prayer. I couldn't I and you know, and I'm not even saying that's what God has for me to do for the rest of my life every day. But if God would let me be involved in corporate where I could do it morning, afternoon and evening every day for the rest of my life, I don't you know, my kids are raised. I don't need to stay home. Hallelujah. I don't need to. You'd say, well, Miss Debbie, you'd get tired, but I don't think if we get in the plan of God and the destiny of God that we would ever get tired. I think sometimes we are, we're tired because we are struggling to find that place in God that he wants us to be. He says, I grew up in a church where prayer was not an object often discussed. We had a few religious prayers, but that was about the extent of it. It wasn't until years later that I began to realize the importance of prayer. When I attended Bible school, I heard the word of faith message, which virtually changed my life. It was then that I began to study the Bible, and I loved studying the Bible. I think I wasn't supposed to read that. Uh, uh, He said, I began to see that our walk with God will never go further than our prayer life. And our prayer life will never go further than our word level. And when it comes to believing God, our faith will rise to but never beyond the level of our words. We need to read that again, that our walk with God will never go further than our prayer life, but our prayer life will never go further than our word level. Hallelujah. So we have to keep our faith fed. When it comes to believing God, our faith will rise to, but never go beyond the level of our words. What we're speaking. Similarly, our walk with God will rise to but never go beyond our prayer life. It is all connected. Our prayer life is directly affected by our word life, and our word life is directly affected by our prayer life. Therefore, to be a person of the word, it is vitally important to be a person of prayer. He said, I heard a statement from a well-known minister years ago, and it has stayed with me, quoting John Wesley. This minister said, it seems God is limited by our prayer life. God can do nothing for mankind unless someone asks him. Someone will say you can't limit God. The children of Israel limited God. Psalm seventy-eight forty-one says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. If the children of Israel limited God, don't you suppose it is possible for us to limit Him? It is possible to limit God. It is possible for God's will not to come to pass. It is possible for God's will not to come to pass. Well, I want God's will to come to pass in Tuscaloosa County. Not only do I want His will to come to pass for the county, I want His will to come to pass for the church, and I want His will to come to pass for Debbie Billings. I want the words that were spoken by the prophets to come to pass. But it's possible that they would not ever come to pass if I don't engage them with faith and with prayer. I have to process the plan of God through prayer. That's the name of Mark's whole book, Processing the Plan of God. I find the plan, but then I process it. I get into the process, and I process uh, in prayer. Hallelujah. And so that's an important thing. And I don't have time to go any further tonight. And I, you know, I'm like, hey, promise me that y'all won't forget all of this in two weeks. Because otherwise we're going to have to start all over at the very beginning and go through all of it again. Hallelujah. And we probably might have to anyway because it rained and a lot of people couldn't make it because it it rained. Hallelujah. I'm not being... Yeah, I am. (laughs) No, no. I'm not being frustrated here. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Pastor, thank you, Jesus. So we're letting the Word speak to us tonight hallelujah and we're taking heed to what we hear because we're living in a very important time I want to read this next week but we had wi-fi problems at home we had printer problems at home we had opposition you know I noticed you know Leanne had a word from God and couldn't even get it out she was coughing and sputtering I was like I'm like man there's just opposition trying to keep us from getting the word out uh, tonight but anyway uh, and and uh But there was a word that came forth from, uh, out of Billy Brim's prayer ministry. I think it came forth in September. And one of the ladies there gave out a prophecy, and Billy got up and verified that it was God. But anyway, it said that the next three months were crucial. No, the next six months were crucial. The next three months were very crucial. And I have a witness to that. And so let's give heed to the Word of God. You know, uh, I think the things that are going to be coming through from the pulpit, I think we can look at that two ways. I think we can look at it like, well, you know, first of all, we need to pray like never before. I think it'll make our 2014 better if we pray. Uh, I think we can also look at it like, though, that we need to, that what comes through the pulpit in the next three months and six months, listen carefully. Keep your ears tuned. Hear not just the pulpit, but the prophetic words. Those things that are spoken. Pick up on the clues that God gives you. You know, a lot of people could see a sign in the heavens and hear three words, and they'd be like, I, I, you know. But you got to pick up on those things, and and you're the one that decides whether those make a difference in your life or not. So be sensitive to the Spirit and pick up on those things, because the next three months and the next six months are crucial. I don't know what that means, but I believe the prophets, and so I just say, okay, it's crucial. Well, hallelujah. Praise the Lord.